what did you have for breakfast today, Lauren? I had a protein shake with beef peptides protein powder, um, almonds, avocado, blueberries, cocoa powder, cow's milk and almond milk. Delicious. Welcome to the Uncommon Podcast. My name is Jordan Michaelides and I'm your host, while my partner and co-founder Lauren Lepatko is the producer. The podcast is designed to build your knowledge, skills, mindset, making you a better person in the process. We interview unique individuals in a one-on-one conversational style with guests including VC and hedge fund managers, psychedelic researchers, bodybuilders, scientists, comedians, entrepreneurs, and much more. You note that the format is inspired by the likes of Tim Ferriss, Joe Rogan, and Oprah Winfrey. If you'd like to learn more about the previous guests, just head to neural.com slash podcast for our index. If you enjoy the episode, I implore you to subscribe. It'll help us find further guests and your fellow-minded listeners find the Uncommon Podcast as well. The second thing and probably the most important thing I'd like you to do is share this episode with someone you know will enjoy it. You can easily share through your podcast app to social media or messaging apps. This will go a long, long way in building our audience, which will help both you and I get more esteemed guests on the show as well. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. It's just at Neural, where you'll see upcoming promotions for episode and content we have to offer. It's been a year since our debut episode. So, at episode 52, we decided to do a year in review. This is our second try at what we are coining as the semi-regular show. This format is more discussional and allows us to explore self-improvement topics, tools, gadgets, and recent events in the media. I think it's incredibly important as long-form content creators that we take time to reflect and pause at least a few times a year. Just on what's been happening in the podcast, build more on the community and particularly what's been happening in the media. So, I think the semi-regular shows provide the best format for that. This time around, we have two guests. Uh, so, the first is Lauren Lepatko, who's Neural's co-founder. She's the Uncommon Podcast producer and additionally, my new fiance. Our second guest is Michael J. Aranjan or MJ as he's commonly known. He's a very good friend. He's a wandering salesman and now a perennial traveler. You may remember MJ from episode 5 and 33. In terms of the topics we discussed, now it was wide-ranging We jumped all over the place. Uh, We got into introducing Lauren and then spoke about silent meditation and and Vipassana meditation. Specifically about the podcast, we reflected on the past year, spoke about our favorite episodes, what we've learned, and also a little bit about uh, Neural Media, which is, I guess, a way of monetizing the podcast through content creation. Uh, There'll be more on that in the future, but it was just a little interesting insight for those that are interested. We spoke about mine and Lauren's trip to Japan, which we're currently on right now in freezing Sapporo, where it's a nice average of negative 10 degrees. Uh, 
we then got into social media apps and phone addiction, which has been something that's been floating around in the media and has very much interested me because I noticed I sort of had an addiction to my phone and I guess social media. We spoke about a particular clip from a guy named Chamath Palihapitiya. That clip will be at the end of the episode. So, if you want to have a listen to that, make sure you fast forward to an hour and five minutes and it should be around that point. Uh, We then got into speaking about decentralization. We spoke about randomly my health and gastroenterology because I'd recently done a fecal matter transplant. Um, So, that was very, very interesting. And then we spoke lastly about going bush and MJ's recent travel. So, I think that this would be an interesting episode for anyone who's intrigued by what we've been doing over the last year in both the business and our lives uh, and just a year in review on podcasts and guests as well. If you enjoyed this episode, do make sure you check out the similar one, which was episode 33, the first semi-regular show, or episode 5, which was our episode with MJ and we spoke a lot about self-improvement. If you want the show notes, just head to our index at neural.com slash podcast. But I guess as we get to our first year in podcasting, I thank you so much, all of you who've listened, come and gone and listened to different episodes. Thank you so much for listening. I really do hope you enjoy this year in review and you stick with us. We've got some interesting guests along coming along the way. Uh, but as with every episode, thank you so much and enjoy this conversation with Lauren Lepatko and MJ. All right, we're live. Lauren and MJ, thank you for Hello. joining me for this uh, semi-regular show where we're, we're going to do like a little annual review. Um, this is the first time for you, Lauren. How do you feel about being on the show? I love it. I love having attention drawn to my voice on a podcast. Is that? But I'm not editing it, so that's why I'm, you know, now we have an editor, it's okay. But Okay. Um, and just so for people... You know, like we obviously have friends and people who listen, they'll know who you are. But for guests that listen regularly, who are you? Well, I am the other half of Neural. I'm also the other half of Jordan, technically. Um, I'm basically, I guess, the producer, creative director and co-founder at the moment. But um, we're going to try and sort of spread those tasks out um, and, yeah, outsource a little bit more as we're doing now. And, yeah, I'm... My background is in graphic design, so hence hence why I'm in the creative direction side of Neural. And yeah, I've known Jordan for a very long time. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying Jordan because I'm actually talking to him right now. <laughs> and um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I'd agree with that. You're essentially the creative director yeah. um, and my partner. And MJ's back today as well. He is. You're going to speak it today, MJ? Yes, I'll try. <laughs> Silent meditation. <laughs> so before, mm. yeah. <laughs> before we were getting into this, we we're talking about silent meditation. We, so we had a previous guest. What I was trying to say was, we had a previous guest, Seb, and he went on a silent meditation retreat for ten days, right? And he was saying that, in actual fact, it doesn't break your spirit or anything like that. It challenges your belief on many things. Firstly, but he. So he went and did it in the Blue Mountains, you know, you know, up in New yep. South Wales. So he immediately was meant to drive back to Melbourne, but instead he drove straight to Sydney, hired a hotel room, and apparently he wrote for the next day or so. 
wrote 60 pages worth of stuff about ideas. So I think if anything, it would just probably, I don't know, like illuminate things in your mind as opposed to breaking your spirit. I mean, why are you doing it? So did he meditate or did you yeah. just think about ideas for 10 days? Silent meditation. No, no. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea, but it was a silent meditation retreat. So, yeah. I think it depends on where you're at in your life. Like, I think he was at a point where he maybe had like the equivalent of writer's block. Yeah. And so maybe he needed to just like zone out mm. and like step back for a second and then forget about. Like, it's like when you're on a task and you just feel overwhelmed and then you like you get away from it for like a day and then you come back and all of a sudden you have all these ideas mm. because you're not like the stress is gone. You've managed to push everything to the back of your brain and almost like subconsciously think about the thing. Mm. So I think like maybe in Seb's case, he had like all this stuff going on. He didn't know how to focus. And so that's the best way to do it. Yeah. But for someone who maybe doesn't have direction in their life, it's probably not the best idea to just go and like, do a sar meditation retreat when you're like, yeah, you'd probably maybe you up. need to like, yeah, get help before you do that. Like, I think you need to be in a certain position in your life to do that because it could be really, it could be damaging. Yeah, I don't think you need. You can be inherently anxious, could you? It'd be, it'd be intense otherwise. Yeah, I don't know about that. I think everyone's anxious, but mm. I don't know why are you doing it, MJ? Oh, so you're actually well, going to do it? I'm not doing it. I <laughs> just thought about doing it. Oh, it was literally just yeah. a thought. <laughs> And then, and then if I walk out on day three, I think if I reach day I mean, three, it. it'll be good. Yeah. Because, I mean, just sit in one place for a couple of hours in a day with your own thoughts. <laughs> I think there should be like a, yeah, a smaller version that you can, I don't know if there is, but there should be like an express, a version. An express version of it. So express just like get meditation. yourself ready. Maybe when I come back, we'll start an express meditation center. <laughs> <laughs> like just two days two days is long enough for most people mm. I don't know I feel like you t- why t- I wonder like why, why do you jump into 10 days it's like no right. it's a it's a thing I think it's called Vipassana that's um, it yeah. maybe it has to be 10 days to, for it to I haven't yeah. got uh, much information on it but I know people who've done it mm. uh, and some people walk out after a couple of days and some people finish the 10 days yeah but I I don't know anyone uh who has been to it and I've not known them before or after. So I can't really tell. Yeah. Yeah, I've only met them. I've met most people after. Yeah. Right. So I I think it's case by case, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Like, um, yeah, I think maybe we should send uh, your creative director. (laughs) I would, if anyone who knows uh, me, I never stop talking. So (laughs) I would just be talking to the invest in your assets (laughs) that you have. (laughs) Just make it go crazy. I'll just. <laughs> yeah, I think. All of a would, sudden I'm gone. <laughs> Where did Lauren go? <laughs> you would probably go nuts. Um, but you can talk to yourself. So if, like, No, you're not allowed to talk to yourself. No, you can talk to yourself. Oh, well, pff, that's a good way to go crazy as well. Just <laughs> <laughs> So the way it works with a 10 day meditation retreat is you have, a, you wake up, you have breakfast at like 6 a.m. or something. Yeah, like that's, that. that's already a deal breaker for me. Um, Fuck that. So then you, what do you do after that? You meditate for an hour and then you sit in your room or go walk for an hour. And you have the opportunity at any point to basically speak to the teacher or the person who's guiding the whole session. So you can definitely talk to people. It's not that bad. It's just to that one person though. But I feel like, I mean, I know the whole point is to do that, but sometimes like I have a day where I'm like, I didn't achieve anything today. And I just get really depressed. 
So like it would be 10 days of not achieving. I mean, yeah, you're achieving like spirituality, but like, are you, <laughs> are you really? Yeah, <laughs> okay. I don't know. I feel like you're definitely achieving something. Um, now the whole purpose of this episode um, is, well, obviously it's tough during December, January to get guests in, isn't it? Like, as we found out, yeah. people are definitely A, on holiday or B, just not interested in doing anything like this. So I think this gives us a good opportunity to reflect. And I guess I'm intrigued to know, firstly with you, Lauren, what have your, what have your thoughts been on the podcast so far? Um, I'm really surprised where it's gotten to, like I think. I mean, what were you expecting? I don't know. I, I didn't actually expect as like I thought maybe we'd have more of a gap in in guests. Like I thought maybe we'd have to do this earlier. I'm actually like really happy that we yeah. <laughs> have to do it now. Yeah. But um, 52 episodes. But that's like to your good. credit. Like you're really good at pitching people and you're ruthless. So you've managed to get a like a steady stream of people um, to interview. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I It's weird because like. At the start of the podcast, I didn't really have any expectations. It just it was what it was. Yeah. And it just manifested slowly and it just sort of like I, I never like was anxious about it working or not working because it was always for you just like a test. Yeah. And then that test like transformed into like essentially a hobby and then now I guess almost a job. Yeah. Um, I think like to add to that, initially it was like, all right, we'll do this, we'll test it out. Um, maybe it'll just improve my skills and your skills in some yeah. new area. But, yeah, I found that um, actually you learn the value of compounding and particularly investing in things over time because this this is the sort of thing that just doesn't – it doesn't happen like that straight away. Like the, we're still only in the early days. Like we're two, three years away from it being something else, you know. So I think that that's what it showed me at least. I think it helped that we went into it like zero expectations. Yeah. And that's my, it's kind of my motto in life. Like don't put too much like emphasis on something coming a certain way. Like, you know, yeah. just let it be, I guess, or just work really hard. Did she steal that from my first podcast? Maybe. Maybe. I've listened pretty to, sure. I've listened to Because I'm pretty sure I said zero expectations was the no, model of my life. But I listened to that episode and I was like, that is me. <laughs> like, we have that in common. I have always been, like, it's actually, I've actually been kind of negative, which is not good. But in yeah. some ways, being negative can work out in your favor. Like, if you say, oh, this is going to be shit, but it never ends up being shit, it ends up working out really well, then you're like, well, I never thought it was going to be good. So now that it has, like, everything is, like, yeah. 10 times better. What about you, MJ? <laughs> what have you felt so far? What about the podcast? Oh, about the podcast? Mm. Well, I'm listening to it, so that's great. <laughs> that's a good sign. Yeah, that's a great sign. <laughs> Even uh, I am, and I'm, like, editing I it. I think six months ago I was like, oh, a lot of content. I'll catch up to this eventually. Uh, and then uh, over the last couple of months I was like, yep, yep, yep. Okay, who's this person? Let me listen to this. And it was great. And uh, people are opening up more, yeah. which is great. I think mm. you get your guests to open up uh, and, you know, they'll either make it or break it. And most of them are making it. Yeah, I, it's been a real valuable learning lesson. Like I always listen back to my mm – -hmm. I don't ep listen to the episode until it's edited by Lauren and the audio engineer. Mm -hmm. So I completely leave them to do it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like they'll obviously pick up on like stupid shit that – like 
some sort of issue with the audio. So I'm pretty confident about that. I only then listen to the finished product. And it's really interesting how much you learn listening back to yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, you you know, when you're just thinking, you're like, okay, I should have asked that question. I should have done this. Um, that's been really helpful for, for getting better, I think. Um, and I guess over time, we'll probably look to get like researchers, which will really help with, with guests and researching topics and whatnot. So over time, it'll get better, I think. Do we have any favorite episodes? I definitely don't have an all-time favorite. I was sort of just there looking through on my phone. Stand out. Um, <laughs> Everyone goes I can't to do it in phone. order, but I really, really liked Stephen Bright because that was a new topic. That was. Um, I'm definitely not completely into prohibition for anything. So. So Stephen Bright so was for, the yeah, episode about context. psychedelics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he really delved in, and I really like episodes that delve into a topic that I may or may not have yeah. um, read into properly. Um, so that's one of them. But I definitely don't have an all-time. Like, I really liked um, Jessica Curl. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any particular really favourites, like... but there's some, like, that stand out. Like, I really enjoyed speaking to Bernard Salt because it was just eye-opening in an area that I had nothing, no understanding of before. Yeah. Um, not no understanding, but just, you know, really illuminated some things that I didn't quite understand. Um, I've really enjoyed meeting or interviewing people that I watched and listened to in many different ways. Like some good examples would be on YouTube, like Neil Kolhatka, mm-hmm. Josh Wade, Friendly Geordies. That was kind of surreal. That was really cool. Having yeah. them here in person. Um, Josh, although it was done online. And then meeting Tom Ballard was interesting like i listened to that guy on radio for two three years <laughs> yeah going to uni so i was really uh, nervous <laughs> when was you surreal. were interviewing him because he kind of has this little bit of not a guard up but he's listening to you very carefully so he's watching every word that you say yeah so so he might just uh oh he didn't which was great but you know you've got to be very careful what oh, you yeah. say because yeah. <laughs> he would just correct you be like oh what do you mean by that <laughs> yeah yeah i know what you mean like yeah. when when they've been in media for a while, that this stuff becomes natural. I think some people it's it's harder because they can't distance and distance themselves from the microphone. Mm. Like they're talking to the people as opposed to you, oh. whereas like a Tom Ballard right, is yeah. talking to you. That's the thing I was talking. But also the, at the people at the same time because he's obviously like done it before, so he gets the whole yeah atmosphere of being on yeah radio and podcasts. I mean, they're kind of the same mm. thing. What about you, MJ? Anything that stands out in particular? I like the interview with your uncle, Paul uh, Dimitina. The coffee. No, that's that's my uh, sister's godfather. Is your sister's godfather? Yeah. He may as well be. Is it, isn't He's he related? No, no, no. Okay. Anyway, he may as well be though. Yeah, that's really cool because that's like a Melbourne story. Yeah, uh, and that's what I like listening to. I mean, all the other guests are like really impressive as well yeah the next guest that i really like was uh you know the company that i worked for as well before was uh mr phil riven phil riven yeah i mean that's that's brutal honesty right there and (laughs) and he should do his own podcast and i think you should manage uh you know the good times with phil riven you know (laughs) you know i don't know Mm. You know, and just uh, a podcast and get him to interview anyone that, uh, you know, that he wants to interview or even just speak to, you know, it could just be a phone call. Like he could make a phone call to Malcolm Turnbull. I was going to say, he probably could just mediate that phone call. Yeah, Yeah. that's a good point. I'm going to. Because he's got the credibility and the right questions. 
Uh, it's just know, a matter of whether he wants to do it, that's all. That's right. But yeah. then, you know, you've got to kind of, you know, that's maybe uh, Lauren's next challenge. Mm. Yeah. Maybe mm. I'll go chat to him on uh, Monday when I'm yeah. back at work. Last few days. Yeah. Because we're actually writing uh, Lauren's next challenge. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, just, uh, you know, as a creative director. <laughs> just, uh, describing what did your you role. <laughs> we're just wondering what your role was for 2018. Okay. Yeah, and we're just writing a few things down. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you are a confusing individual. Yeah, yeah you're very wait. cryptic. There's, there's, there was another podcast. Well, MJ's was pretty good, wasn't it? One of the MJ episodes. The oh, first one. Two of the MJ. I think the first actually was better. Your first one, your second one. Yeah, you, you told me how much of an impact the first episode just had on you personally. You had people. That's been what's, that's what's been amazing is having people reach out. Yeah, who haven't reached out for five years, years, (laughs) you know, seven years. And it's not their fault. It's just that because I live, uh, you know, really far away from most of my earlier friends. Mm. Uh, Yeah, so people reaching out, being like, you know, uh, I never knew knew that you were even this person. (laughs) (laughs) Because they've kind of missed out on so many years. Yeah. Yeah, and life has been changing ever since. So, yeah, so it's very good to have a podcast to go and listen to back and be like, in exactly November 2016, this oh. is this is how I felt, and this is what yeah. I was driving to, and yeah. it's almost like a that's checkpoint. So yeah, yeah. Oh my so, god, that's such a good point. So you could do your. I mean, I could interview you, and you could do a checkpoint here, and you say one year into the podcast, uh, and see how it goes next, year and see whether you've uh, improved or whether it's taken a different direction at that point. Yeah, we should do that. We should yeah. do a turn the tables with MJ when I'm back. Turn the tables <laughs> with MJ. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that'd be hilarious. No, but that's why, you know, that's yeah. why I interviewed both my, my uncle and auntie because they've in- they've achieved interesting things and I want to be able to document it, like have that forever because, you know, like my, my own grandmother has dementia, so she doesn't recognize any of us and um, I really wish that I just had done this a bit earlier and I'd been able to interview. I would never have published it. I just would have kept it private for the family. But to have that knowledge and understand who they were at that point in time, like to have your own kids listen to it, like, hey, this was your grandma. Mm-hmm. This is what she was about. That that w- would be an interesting story, I think, for mm-hmm. them. Like look at how loose your father was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope that in years to come uh, my cousins will listen back to their uncle and auntie's podcast, you know, as they get older. Um, I, I I don't think I I can't say that I had any. You have to choose. You have to choose. I mean, no, I, can't. I don't yeah, have a favorite. Two. It's too hard. I'm going to be neutral and agnostic. So, <sighs> but, but like everything, it's, they're actually all so different. That's that's like exactly. the most exciting thing about this. Like, there's been a few that have been similar because they've been in similar fields. Like maybe the startup sector, we had quite a few people from there, yeah. and a few of comedy, but. Like now that I've managed to finally get to listen to them properly after editing them, I have noticed that they are all really different mm. in their own way, which is really cool. Yeah, and, and so I, it's hard to pick a favorite. Yeah. And they're diverse as well, like Oliver Fisher. Yeah, like uh, what a <laughs> oh, our old what, mate what a story! I know. I was yeah. fasc- uh, I was fascinated as well. I was like, what? You yeah, wrote he, a book. He's coming back to Melbourne. Ah, yeah. So I think yeah, with all that experience, though. Yeah. I think it'd be really good to have him back on, even with yourself. It'd be remember the, the conversations Michaels. we'd have back in the day. Yeah, Michael Squared. <laughs> he he was the guy who first told me you should do that for a living, selling speakers. Because I was trying to sell him that speaker. Really? Like, yeah. Oh my God. 
we were in our place. We were playing. Uh, we, we were just getting Tidal. I think Tidal just launched. Okay. And I was like, oh, you know, listen to the difference when you play Tidal through uh, that Bang & Olsen speaker that we had. Yeah. Uh, it was with you, right? Yeah. And we had Salami, if I'm not mistaken. Um, <laughs> at... At your old house. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the first time we ever hung out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, not the first time we ever hung out, but like the first time we'd gone around to your place. Yeah. And uh, I remember Kiara was just like chilling. Yeah. <laughs> just like, just she hiding. Went, yeah, hiding basically. Yeah. And we. Um, She's a shy girl. Yeah. And yeah. We, we went and because you were like trumping up the. the, the <laughs> Well, of course the, I do. The value of, uh, you know, the speaker. And yeah. So we, we were like, oh, well, we have to see it. Yeah. So we, we'd had a few drinks. At, I don't know where, like Collins Quarter. No, maybe it was Romeo Lane or something. We went back to your place. And I just remember that for me was actually a very, a very important night because I remember just listening to the music and like being completely at peace and like the sound of the music because you were using like titles. So the quality of the sound was amazing. But we had this amazing view of mm-hmm. the city. And I was just thinking, like, fuck, I want to have this. Like, I want to be in the city, you know? And it wasn't long after that, like, maybe a couple months afterwards that I actually moved, moved in into the city. Literally on the same floor as yeah, you yeah. <laughs> on the park side. Yeah, and he told me you should do this for a living. And this was, what, three, four years ago? Oh, yeah. At least when we started at Ibersport. So that would have been, yeah, like maybe he would have started a couple months afterwards, like maybe a year in mm. to nine months. So. Later that year, in 2014, or maybe early 2015, I can't yeah, really maybe. remember. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a good night. It was a good fun. Yeah, and then he uh, yeah, and uh, the the process of writing, and that's really interesting. And also, it's so diverse. No. Yeah. Your guests are diverse. Their stories are diverse. So I feel like you're learning much more than any other person would learn. That was one thing yeah. I was becoming very conscious of. Because when I looked back and I we added a new section on our production sheet and I, I ran and went and categorized all of our guests by area yeah. and I was just realizing there was too many people in business and startups and I was getting worried. I was just worried that it was going to become another ordinary tech startup type podcast. Uh-huh. I don't know. I'm pretty sure you mentioned that to me. Laura. Well, yeah, I was like, you can only go so far with it. You can't do a weekly. I mean, you can. Sorry. You can do a weekly podcast with a really niche audience, but- but it's not, it makes wasn't it the so purpose. much harder, and that's not what we wanted. And yeah. it's not called uncommon, yeah. So that we have guests that are all the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the common startup podcast. <laughs> Maybe I should start that. Yeah, but I think to to add to that, like that was where our connections were and the people that we know. Yeah. And I think that it was important to do them first and do it right. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was a test. Yeah, exactly. You did have some guests who uh, who didn't quite open up. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, anyone in particular uh, that strings I'm to not going to tell. I mean, people know who they are if they listen to most of the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, well, it's a shame that they didn't open up because they had a platform to open up. Yeah, and they chose not to. So yeah, I think yeah. Uh, some people. I don't know. Like some people get a little bit worried with, um, you know, oh, we can hear the, the fridge, fridge in the background. Yeah, this setup is changing, just <laughs> for our audience. We just moved house and now we're next to a fridge and soon enough we'll be actually in our own studio. It'll be done in a second, but let's let's take a break. Okay. Alrighty, we're back. 
after a little uh, toilet break, fixing up the fridge as well. <laughs> um, maybe, I, th- I can't remember what we are talking about, but I wanted to just briefly speak about neural media. Um, so, a few people have probably heard us uh, talk about like content media services and stuff like that. So, we've found a way now to monetize the podcast because we didn't really want to do ads that we didn't want within it but also the market for ads is just like nothing in Australia so I think that people should just keep an eye on what we've got going over there Um, we'll have some we'll have probably a podcast added for Neural Media I don't know like after Feb when we get back from Japan Um, so yeah just keep an eye out but essentially it's going to be what what, what would you call it content media services content production oh sorry Content production, I guess. Yeah. I mean, we're still trying to find our legs. So, yeah. at the moment, we're offering um, like pod- podcast production as a package, like whatever you need to like market your podcast and create it. Um, but yeah, like it's more content media. Like podcast really content. is the specialty and then content media, like videos, audio, yeah, et cetera. Yeah, video, audio, general. graphics. Yeah. Yeah. So, people keep an eye out on that. At least that's a way to monetize it without ruining the... Um, experience of the podcast i think eventually we'll find like a a few sponsors that we truly you know would want to buy off slash use yeah but as you said like it's not i think at this stage in our podcast like it's not really worth it and it may not pay off so yeah all right um japan so maybe you shouldn't be paying your content director so much (laughs) (laughs) Maybe she earns fuck all right now. That's for sure. Like a charity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The sooner she can be working on that full time, the better. Yeah. Um. You know, graphic design does not pay the best wage. That's for sure. Um. Japan. So, people. Yeah. People listening to this. What will this be? Will this be the last week of our trip? This is the week after we're back. Ah. Okay. Okay. So. We'll so you'll be just... listening to this when we're actually back from Japan. Okay. But we're actually recording this. The week before we go. Yeah. So that's a little bit inception isn't it? Hey. <laughs> so where are we going? What's, okay. what's it is? We're basically doing what we, I don't know if anyone else knows what we did, if unless you know us personally, but we're pretty much recreating our trip of Japan in 2016, except we're adding um, Hokkaido at the end. Okay. So we're doing Tokyo, Kyoto, Nagano, and um, Hokkaido, which includes Sapporo and probably a few day trips to Naboribetsu, I think there's a place. Yeah, Naboribetsu, it's like a fishing village of some kind. Yeah, so if anyone has any, I was going to say if anyone has any tips, but we're not live, so I don't know why the hell I just said that. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess you'll hear from us <laughs> a week after. You'll see photos. What, what's your yeah. Instagram handle for people who want to see photos? My personal one yeah. is at Lauren Loco, which is L-A-U-R-E-N-L-O-K-O. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I let's just hope by the time you listen to this, you would have... I would have posted like 30, 30 awesome shots. <laughs> With the hashtag ramen money. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> it's uh, it's an inside Ibisworld joke. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, Good. I was someone hoping. else that you – was it you who interviewed it or was it at NPR podcast? I don't and know. And he was like, yeah, I was making money selling PDFs. <laughs> and that's when I was like, what? <laughs> There's an inside joke what? at Ibisworld, uh, hashtag PDF money, because uh, MJ made this uh, internal meme. So I'm not going to say any more Still don't that. get it, but okay. Um, no, we were making money selling PDFs. Oh, okay. Yeah. So hashtag ramen money. Have uh, you, ramen. you haven't been to Japan, have you? No. Would you go? 
eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'd love it. I We're think a you'd be fascinated obsessed. by it. Um, it's one of the only places in the world where I think you can feel like a total outsider just, tr- you know, transient through their way of life because they've got such a homogenous society. It's it's really bizarre and it's so cool at the same time. Um, so, yeah, by now, we'll be back. Um, I want to talk about an, a key topic. What do you want to talk about, Jordan? I want to talk about mm-hmm. uh, Chamath Palihapitiya. Tia or Tia? Palihapitiya. Come on, you're the Sri Lankan. Yeah. You should know Chamath this. Palihapitiya. Pitiya. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would <laughs> say... The Amer- say. Americans pronounce it Palihapitiya. Yeah, and he would pronounce it differently as well because he doesn't live there. Okay. But it's fine. But um, he spoke about... He's changed. I know, right? He's from the fit last as three years now. Yeah, I think he said that he's like, seriously. Uh, the guy's uh, ripped. So. Oh, he's ripped. Yeah, like he's he's clearly because his dad had diabetes and he got he's gotten himself really fit because he's uh, did his dad uh, his dad passed away. Yeah, yeah, so that changed his uh, the way he or he's like if you go and listen to a talk that he did three years ago compared to now. Mm. It's almost like he's like changed his not that he's changed his direction, but it's so grounded now. Yeah, yeah, and it's no longer about you know changing things and this will be the future. It's more about you know how people will interact with each other and how that'll change things. So. Mm. But he wants to do stuff that can actually help, as opposed to theoretical ideas. Correct. Uh, he's actually got a company. I'm pretty sure they own a company. It starts with V. It's not Veritas, but it's something like that. Um, that is a like a diabetes uh, company that res- reverses type two diabetes. Uh-huh. Um, it's quite amazing. That is st- study with like a hundred thousand, um, hundred thousand subjects, and it's like a peer reviewed piece of literature. Mm-hmm. As in, it's been studied, and um, they can show that they actually can reverse type two diabetes, which is super fascinating. But that that company is still young. It's like seven, eight years old. Um, so he's, yeah, I think he's, he's focused on things that they can actually achieve. But what I'm fascinated by is his talk at Stanford and we'll probably link the actual clip. I don't know whether we can link it at the end of this episode, um, or maybe we'll insert it here. Uh, but it's essentially about what social media and Facebook is doing by programming people with little dopamine hits. So, do you know, like, you've listened to the talk? I haven't. And does everyone know who he is? Like, is there any context? He's a value investor slash venture capitalist. Um, He owns a company called Social Capital and they invest in a whole bunch of different companies. But he was the VP at Facebook that, not created, but helped build the newsfeed. So, he essentially made the structure of the newsfeed and he worked there with Sean Parker. In particular, Sean Parker was the guy who brought him over. And so... He was talking about the fact that in this particular clip, at his time at Facebook, they knew in some way that what they were doing was potentially addictive, but they didn't want to address it internally, like debate the ethics of it or philosophy of it or anything like that. It was just sort of brushed over. And now in this talk at Stanford, he basically said that social media is ripping apart the fabric of society, particularly in America. And I mean... I don't know. I've found it illuminating to just sort of examining that sort of stuff in my own life. I've realized I'm completely addicted to social media on my phone. 
as I was saying before, anytime I'm having a shower, you go to the bathroom, you get dressed, every single thing you can't, I, it's like I couldn't let my brain switch off. I had to have some piece of content. And um, I think that the social media and this sort of stuff, not long form content, but that little dopamine hit sort of content is basically, it's programming us to want to always be switched on and not live in the present, be focused on this thing. And um, I don't know, I've, I've found it, you know, fascinating. I don't know what you guys think about it. but um, I have to listen to the talk. But, I mean, it's not it's not really a new thing that people are talking about. Like, I, I think know. we're pretty aware of um, the effects of, like, mobile phone usage and then social media and both of them combined. I think people are aware of it, but I don't think that people have talked about it to the extent yeah. until now. I don't think we're talking about it enough. It's like something that we're all aware of and we joke about it like, oh, you know, like you know, it's always the cliche of the parents telling the kids to get off the phones, but now it's actually going the other way where the kids are like, yeah. mom, get your off the phone. Your parents, yeah. Um, I actually is, noticed this at Christmas. Like, at, It's like a joke, but it's also like kind of dark. It's kind of like where are we heading? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's just on their phones. And that's not to say that the the revolution in smartphones and what it did for society, like to, if you went to someone and said to them, okay, you can have this object, it can do all this shit that you'd previously done or couldn't do within a phone, like within your phone, right? Mm. Um, but the trade-off is you're addicted to it. Like that. that's that's your option. I'm, it's I'm like pretty Black sure, Mirror. Well, I'm pretty sure people would still say yes. But I just feel like this talk has, like, I don't know, it's made me examine things at least. Well, I think, as I said, like Black Mirror, such a great show. That is a great, um, that's so much commentary on the whole aspect of technology. So there's some episodes in there that kind of address this. Mm. So that I think that's, as soon as I started watching that show, that brought it into light a little bit. So maybe in terms of popular culture, that is one area where people are actually addressing it. Yeah. I was actually talking to our friend um, MJ. I was talking to our friend Tender the other day about this, mm-hmm. like about addiction. And he was just in complete agreement. Like he, but he didn't really realize, you know, like how mm-hmm. much mm. he's because you, you sit there at work and you go always check your phone. You got the push notifications, all that sort of stuff. And I've whittled it down to like two social media platforms, no push notifications on my phone. Like when you were calling me, not calling me, uh, messaging me. Mm-hmm. Um, before, mm-hmm. I had no idea. It doesn't come up as a notification. Um, the only way if someone wants to get really needs to speak to me, they need to call me, essentially. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's just going to be when I check those like messages or emails in my own time. And even then, I'm still finding myself like once you've done that, I'm still like my brain is telling me like, check it, check it, check it. Like you need a little hit. Come on, just check it, check it. <laughs> Come on, just check Come your emails. Check it. Like it's really you that's when you realize like it's a proper yeah, proper addiction. Um and I don't think people realize to the extent how much it impacts their lives and and to give it context, like that short-termness impacts how you work, how you think, everything that you do how you drive. long-term. Yeah. <laughs> Not we don't drive, but Yeah. You see people drive and you're like, "Come on, you're on your phone." You're reversing and you're on your phone. Reversing takes like not even a minute. You can't just like drop it, yeah. reverse. Maybe turn your head around while you're reversing. That might be a good idea. So I thought about like what what if um, – I know there's different apps that do different things, but there, if there was an app 
um, to manage your withdrawals and to to use a bit of a um, a monetary stick on you in a way. Like I know Tim Ferriss has had things like anti donations for people who want to um, basically have a goal. Let's say they want to lose ten kilos, they can do it with a friend that they're the arbitra- arbitrator. And they go on this website and it's like some sort of anti-donation website and say your money, if you don't achieve these goals or you're not doing things towards it, they are the one that selects that the money goes to like the KKK or like the George W. Bush Library um, Foundation, like shit like that. It's really peculiar. But that was in his four-hour workweek book, I think. Or maybe it was the, what's the body one? Four-hour body. Four-hour body. I think it was in that actually. Mm. Yeah. so I've thought about it. Like, what if you had an app that was managing your phone and actually punishing you for, like, managing you to help you, you know? Uh, because the thing is, like, monetizing something always works, mm. particularly oh, yeah. with an addiction. Except for gym memberships. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, monetizing a a goal or achievement puts a bit of skin in the game. If or in this case, sense. demonetizing because yeah. you're taking it away. But like if someone had the choice yeah. that they they had this app and it was paying us 10 cents every time they go log in or um, do some sort of activity, like I wonder if that over time will start adding up and affecting them. But mm. that was just an idea. What about that app that you use in your phone called Moment? What is mm. that? That was, that was MJ gave me that. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's useful. But it, it's mainly just like a- How many hours are you clocking in? Yeah. Like it just views what you're doing. It's yeah. not- So it's not- doesn't really mean anything. I, I think no, but screen time. So you don't okay. need screen time if you're not on social media. Mm. You don't need screen time to send a text. Right. Or, uh, you know, read your WhatsApp messages or anything. Your screen time is mainly through uh, social media. So my my problem with this, not I've hit eight hours on moments sometimes. Wow, yeah, that's and, crazy. And, and sometimes it's five hours on a work day. Yeah. What do you mean by screen time? So screen time is uh, the number of uh, minutes that the that your screen was on and you were and the phone was unlocked and you were playing with it. So eight hours in a row. Eight hours in a day. Oh. <laughs> so I think it, that's pretty normal. I reckon most people would probably exceed that. Exceed that. Uh, and, Just by watching uh, people. And I think if you do one or two hours, like it, you actually feel like, oh, I haven't been on my phone the whole day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another good indication was because uh, I've got an iPhone 6S and the battery by the time I would reach work and I live and work in the city would be 60%. What? From 100% in the morning. Wow. Whoa. And, uh, and <sighs> that's when I realized that, oh, there's a lot of podcasting, Instagramming, everything before, you know, I even get to work. But podcasts, at least you're not actually looking at the screen. I'm not looking at the screen. But yet, I, think, but I still, still think that that's a good thing because it, it they're long to, it's long form content. You have to be engaged. Engaged, yeah. 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 That's right. But but then... Uh, because it's not, it's not hitting your dopamine. So this is the problem. And I reckon this stuff has caused a lot of my health issues as well. Because you're hitting dopamine every time you're looking at a notification, a little bit of content, like a little story or something like that, right? And that is actually impacting your stress, you know, the stress cycle within your body. Like it's elevating it. It's not returning it to baseline. So if you're constantly doing that stuff, you're never returning to baseline and it can have adverse effects to your health. And that's what that's what I was thinking about the most actually with this stuff. So... Listening to a podcast, because I realized this when I was traveling a little bit, I needed a podcast to go to sleep. 
like i couldn't not go to sleep in a camper van hmm. it being silent i had to put my headphones on and listen to someone just talking me to sleep right uh unless i'm really tired and then i realized that oh this is going to be an issue uh, so maybe you know even that's a dopamine hit especially like listening to some of the podcasts that you know no, that I've, we're used to and i started listening to you on the road as well so <laughs> you know this this might be an issue for me maybe it was just calming you down to sleep that's that's not too abnormal I, i read for an hour before bed okay um yeah so is the issue with the screen time and the red notifications popping up is that like is that the problem yeah You know, listening to music, listening to a podcast, because it's, as you said, long form. It's, you it's, get a chance to be bored and think. But yeah. is that proven not to be a dopamine hit? So just because we listen to podcasts. No, the dopamine hit that you get is, is, from is the anticipation yeah. of someone. It's The way I would coin it is it's artificially engineered excitement or artificially engineered dopamine. So you're in a social interaction, you get a high from someone speaking to you yeah so you get a dopamine hit right mm -hmm. and by having these notifications having attention of some kind or the anticipation of it yeah. that is what is triggering the dopamine to be released in your body so when you're sitting there and let's say you've got no push notifications the anticipation of having a uh a notification on facebook on the app and going into it that in itself can trigger a dopamine hit yeah so just removing notifications doesn't completely remove it it'll definitely help well especially if you have the little flaggy things that are red and like how about this all the notifications on every app is red yeah it's like alert alert this is really important and that's done on purpose because yeah. you can see the color red easier Instagram, than blue or green. facebook anything on the iphone which is a flag yeah everything is red yeah i don't so, I, I don't and know. it gets my attention yeah but i yeah i've actually For a while, I haven't had push notifications. I only have it for um, messages and phone. That's it. Yeah. I went on to Facebook and I, uh, you know where it says sponsored, sponsored. You know how you get all these articles from domain and real estate <laughs> and you're just like, uh, someone liked your page and you like their page and now they send you all this. So I unfollowed everyone. Okay. Uh, and still my feed, is, my feed is now full of my friends commenting on like nine gag videos It's just full of memes. It's just full of memes mm. and it's things like that. It's absolutely uh, true. And, and especially the videos are so addicting because you press on a video and then the feed just picks up and then you're just on that feed of, you know, the same thing that you were looking at. Yeah. It's so good. The algorithms are very good. Yeah. It's, it's uh, scary how good they are. Yeah. Uh, but it's engaging you. Another thing that I realized was uh, when I was doing a little bit of traveling and there's not a lot of internet everywhere mm -hmm. and whenever we'd hit a spot where there's 4G... <laughs> We literally be like, all right, let's go get a coffee, and then bang, get on our phones for like half an hour. <laughs> hey, that's an, yeah. that's yeah. bad. That is bad. Yeah. But but I mean, we've had withdrawal for about a day or two, or sometimes even three days of not having uh, any kind of signal. Yeah. So I think that was a uh, also we needed to post some things. So we were editing before that uh, on our travel Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. Uh, but if not. It was it was great. It was like such a, you know. And then we realized that we're just junkies on our phones. Yeah, in yeah. the middle of you know, Kings Canyon, and you know, and and the tourist center had Wi-Fi, and you, you know, we're standing out there just on our phones. And you're not you're not living in the now. It's um, it's yeah. to me, it's concerning. Like it it really is. Yeah. Um, I know 
I know I'm not a big fan of Peter Thiel as much anymore, but um, I find that his quote, what was the quote? It was like, we wanted flying cars, but we got 140 characters. It never really, that comment never really stood out to me because I was like, that's just such a dumb comment. Like Twitter and all these platforms have allowed us to communicate in ways that we never thought. Like, like I said before, if you went to someone before all this change with the smartphone Mm -hmm. and said to them you can have this but you're addicted they'd Mm -hmm. still probably say yes Mm -hmm. but i just think that this needs to be examined i think that this will be like the big tobacco issue of our generation i think i think people will examine social media and phones in a way that they viewed big tobacco and the way that they realized it wasn't good for your health long term if you were using it in a certain way Mm. But um, the moments thing, I my problem with it is it doesn't reinforce habit. Like you need, when you have goals and stuff like that, half the problem is being habitual and making it part of your life. Like people will have a goal and they don't actually do anything. To, let's say they've got a six-month, 12-month goal. They may do nothing towards it in the year. You need to be pushing, chipping away at it every week. And I find that... With my goals, I like to review them every week and how, how far am I getting to it? Like, what am I doing towards it? So, I think that having something that reinforces habits is more useful, at least in the long term. But um, I don't know. Maybe we'll make a little app like that in future. Mm. What is it called? Um, get off your fucking phone. <laughs> get, off your, get off your fucking phone. Get off your fucking phone. <laughs> this is an acronym. G- uh, yeah, make an acronym. G-O-Y-F-F. Goffup. <laughs> Goffup. <laughs> really, uh, really easy to say. By the way, speaking of iPhones and phones, I changed my battery on the success, mm-hmm. and I feel like I've got a brand new phone. Is, is this is this, better? is this related to that issue? Uh, which issue? Yeah, no, no. So I was scared of changing it because, uh, you know, it was dying really quickly. Uh, and then I changed it at some repair center, and now it's it's running like a new phone. So. Wow. Uh, then I wondered, ah, oh, if I'm not going to buy another phone now for the next two years, what will that do for Apple's revenue? Well, I'm an Apple shareholder, so I know what they'll do. I know what they'll do. They'll just release an update that doesn't work on the 6S. Yeah, well, they need to because otherwise, you know, uh, it's interesting how this is going to head now. If they can just because you know, if they, you could just change the battery and it gives you another one or two years out of it, mm. that's a long cycle now. Yeah, because their their cycle mm. for. Um, uh, not renewing your phone, but up your, the upgrade cycle is yeah. roughly a year to two years. Yeah. Maybe it's 18 months, actually. That's so short. And um, my friend's yeah. buying a new 6S now, two years after it was released, mm. brand new. And we reckon that that's going to outlast a 7 or an 8 because there's no real reason to have a 7 or an 8. No, it's just it's mm. it's social capital. It's showing your friend that you have the new te- you know, yeah. iPhone X. Um, what phone do you have? iPhone 10, sorry. I am such an uh, outcast because yeah. I don't give a fuck. And you got an I've iPhone got SE? iPhone oh. SE, and it looks like the old school uh, 5. Yeah. But I kind of regret it because I do have small hands, yes, <laughs> but typing on it is actually like Difficult. a great way to get a hand cramp. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hand cramp. It's not, it's, it's impossible it really to type hurts, on. But it's so good because it fits in all your pockets. Like you fits in your hand when you're like walking or whatever you can sell these for pretty good money now mm. because uh, they change the battery or they change a couple of things and they uh, sell it overseas yeah or the uh, SA anything the 6s the older uh, ones sixes, yeah. yeah 
uh, and they just, you know, meet you, look at your phone, and they, yeah. I've yeah. gone through some of those. I was security in one of those transactions recently. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, and they just change the battery, change the glass, and they sell it overseas. I so think there's a lot of demand. I, by the way, I think yeah. I've um, iPhone Apple realized that the upgrade cycle is going down, and the business, the iPhone business, is changing. Like they're more focused on. Well, they're focusing more on services now. They've realized with the like the AirPods, by the way, that's gonna fucking change. Wireless headphones is fucking the future. Man. Can I try that? Before yeah, you go? we'll try. Yeah. We'll try it for Lauren. Got them. They're got amazing. Them for Christmas. They're fucking awesome ones. They're E8s. If you want to purchase, that's not quite. Do they have the same. It's like little. You guys are not about that life. <laughs> nah, I'm it, about the white. Still if, if you want, MJ, if you want a purchase that's not quite under $200 but is around the mark, yeah. the AirPods, if you have an iPhone, is one of the greatest things you ever do. So good. You never go back. Is it under 200 It's 220 220 okay. Yeah. They're, they're realizing that, though. They're realizing that the future is the watch and the, the phones, yeah. pair, the headphones paired together um, because, A, people aren't using their phones as much. Um, not as much, but um, they're trying not to. They're trying not to, but also you don't need to upgrade your phone as often um, because it's good enough. Unless, of course, you got issues with the battery. Yeah, but um, that sort of stuff though. That you know, this whole thing about them. You heard about that shit with the battery, right? Yeah, that's that's not too abnormal to me. Like I always always notice with the old like four and five when I had it. Over time, because the so- with the software patches and the upgrades, it gets heavier and heavier and heavier on um, the operating system. So it makes sense as to why it would become harder for a phone over time. And then some of the phones, as it turns out, were just freezing because of it. And hence, they made the Correct. the change with the but battery. But that's the, because of smaller memory as well. People are still running iPhone 6s with like 16 GB. Mm. So mm. your software itself is yeah half of that at mm. that point. I bought my MacBook Pro in 2009. Oh my god! I've got the, I yeah. still have it. We all have the same, same one. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I need an. It, I now need an upgrade because that thing. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 had it. It's but had you can go to. I think is it maxfixit.com or and I just get of, new RAM and new. I mean, it's nice having something that's 10 years old. They're really. I still really like mine. Yeah. It's heavy as fuck, but I it's like it. It's fucking crazy heavy. It's fucking beautiful. Like 10, 8 years, 9 years. And it's still, yeah, it's still so beautiful. Like yeah. it still looks modern. So this new you job know? I'm starting out, they've yeah. got me like one of the newer MacBooks. MacBooks. So light. So mm. light. It looks so, like an Air. Yeah. yeah. You can't, yeah, it feels like an Air. It's ridiculous. So Is it the MacBook Pros or the MacBook? Just a MacBook. Okay. Yeah. Just like a, it's like a really nice. It's like a couple um, years old, I think, but yeah. it's still like. You know. Yeah, they're really good. And I, I just realized, like, dude, I've had that thing since 2009. That's a good investment. It's great. Amazing. Like, think about how much money um, changes in my life I've gone through through using that device. Like, that is an incredible investment. Um, yeah, uni. Uni, yeah. I actually <laughs> I bought it for uni. So, yeah. you're all sponsored by uh, Apple? I know, we're <laughs> such Apple. Sponsored by Apple. Apple. <laughs> uh, so gross. Let's we like Apple. money. Um. Okay, what else do we want to talk about? Um, I was I had here decentralization. Like this is one of the key themes themes I noticed during a few of the interviews through media, uh, through social media and, and the like, um, or through the internet, finance, through Bitcoin and cryptocurrency or blockchains, and I think cities becoming more and more decentralized. Do you guys do you know what decentralization is? Please tell us, Jordan. <laughs> One last, one last thing you were going to say that. Um, 
so centralization essentially will be centralized in a governing let's call it a governing body whereas the or the you know the body that proofs everything that governs that controls is the central authority whereas decentralization it's managed by everyone essentially so i'm just i'm intrigued by this um this whole trend i don't know if you're noticing it at all are you i haven't I haven't noticed <laughs> I got no at all. Yeah. Um, well, give us an example yeah, of companies example. that have what? decentralized. Could you, could you speak in layman terms? Yeah, it's a hard one. Not like, everyone knows what it is. Mm. Like, put it this way. I, I kind of do. But the internet, if, you, if, if I met you on Flinders Street Station, mm. how would you, you know? Well, it depends on the person and what they know. Yeah. This is sort of like that, um, that wide clip, how they're like... Ex- explain a certain topic to, to a five-year-old, to a five-year-old yeah. and then work your way up to like a PhD. That chick is so good though. The yeah. one that I watched, she nailed it for every single age. But for what topic? I don't know what it was, but like she just articulated was it herself. Was it might have been crypto. Yeah, it was cryptocurrency. Yeah. Uh, was it? The I don't know who it was, but she was really, really good at explaining it to every oh, single yeah, age. Yeah, yeah, She's, um, I think it's the lady who's in charge it. of uh, Lightning Labs, which is like one of the key companies that's offering like services within the industry but decentralization is really just what the internet is like it's uh you know social media platforms the fact that um we can now get media from anywhere like it's practically media is practically free uber is an app yeah which decentralizes taxi services yeah what else airbnb no is that See, I don't get it. Yeah. I, I've read about it, but I'm kind of confused because I don't know if decentralization means. Well, that's sort of. Isn't a, just everything, like anything that's sort of. No, um, because an example with deviates. Airbnb. Let's take Airbnb for an example. Yeah. The Marriott is a central authority. They own all of the assets, whereas Airbnb is, although they're the central authority, if they didn't have people listing on Airbnb, they wouldn't, they wouldn't exist. have any assets. So it's yeah. about the idea that they don't actually own anything. No, not really. It's it's that you can coalesce or bring a group of people together to um, create an ecosystem of some kind. So, like, yeah. an example with the internet is, like, the internet, the fact that we can all communicate without needing, um, you know, one company in the world to manage all of that infrastructure. Yeah. It's this interconnecting... Community. Community mindset. of... of, of infrastructure communicating together yeah um in some way um, i mean i'm intrigued by it because i'm seeing it mainly happening and i'm going into the cryptocurrency space um mm. as my next job but i'm intrigued by it because of what is happening there like its impact on banking is going to be fascinating like my understanding of how the banking system works like a lot of the infrastructure and and services we use all sit on one server with one company. And the fact that you can now, with cryptocurrency, split a lot of those services out into people and groups that are completely distributed is really fascinating to me. Um, but I know I just noticed that people were talking about it a lot on the podcast, you know, like on particular episodes. So, As in decentralization as a topic? Yeah, not yeah. as a topic, but like themes within their own industry. Well, a lot of our guests are involved in it. I know that, but they're you know also I mean? involved in core industries like telecom and uh, real estate and retail and all that sort of stuff. And it's just it's amazing how it's affected um, 
the world. And I mean, when we spoke, who's um, our political guest, Claire Connolly? Yes. Yeah, so she was saying how decentralization is almost centralization. She thinks it is, but yeah. I disagree with her. Um, I don't completely agree that? with that. Because, like I said, with Airbnb. That's where I'm confused. <laughs> like, like with Airbnb, that's, a, that's yeah. a good example where you could probably say, oh, that's actually centralizing through mm-hmm. them. But it's not because if, they, if you remove the supply of that ecosystem, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. If everyone tomorrow turned around and said, I'm not going to drive for Uber, we couldn't use Uber. We'd go back to using taxis and we'd go back to a centralised system through all the the taxi um, system, essentially. So, does centralisation actually mean... Um, you generally have does it one... Does have to, to do with the government? Or... Yeah, like an example would be government. Yeah. Government is a form of centralisation. So, the, the deal is the government makes us secure, makes sure that we're protected. So, we've got a safe workplace... They can defend us. Maybe if you're lucky, you live in a place like Australia where you get healthcare and education. And in return, we we live in a civilized society where we all agree with each other on certain principles. Huh. Yeah. So um, why why I'm intrigued by it to do with cities? I mean, you you may have seen this with that. You went and sold like a smart city up on the Gold Coast, the Sunshine Coast, ages ago. I think it's Springfield, was it? Yeah, we didn't sell. You didn't sell, but you went, and, you went and too saw smart, them. Yeah, but Springfield. Yeah, I'm just noticing that there's less and less power for nation states and more and more power for st- cities, if that makes sense. And things are becoming decentralized in that way. Um, I don't know how it, how that looks long term, but um, I don't know. I just noticed it was a key theme mm. for a lot of people. Um. What else? What else do we want to talk about in this session? What have you, what, what else have you noted down? You've noted <laughs> down your health oh, yeah. issues. If yeah, people so, want to be interested in what's going on in Jordan's gut. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> prob- people have probably heard me speak about this a lot, but um, the FMT or the bacteria transplant. So, like, for context, I have food intolerances. As I learned, food intolerances are basically caused by either having gastro or you took too much antibiotics as a kid, right? So, at some point in my life, about 22, I had these food intolerances and I learned from the doctor that I had it and I had to change my diet. And then I learned about what was happening in the US, which is like a, a bacteria transplant. So, you could get a healthy gut bacteria. So, we all have bacteria that sit in our small and large intestine. And you could get that transplanted from one individual to another to make you healthy again. So you'd have antibiotics, go get the transplant, and voila, you've got a new gut biome or gut bacteria. So I did it. For how many months did it work for? Two, three months? I don't know, maybe. Yeah. So Felt two, like less. <laughs> two, three months, maybe two months it worked. Um, unfortunately, like the last week of the, um, the FMT process, I... We got both gastro, got gastro. We got gastro really bad, actually. God damn it. Really bad gastro. And um, from there, it sort of all started going downhill again. And as it turns actually, out- Actually, it was food poisoning from a restaurant, but anyway. Yeah. Well, it's the same same thing. You had bacteria yeah. within your system. Um, and what I learned was that um, the reason why my system wasn't going back is because, uh, and this is like for you, MJ, as well, your immune system will take a snapshot, like a photo of your gut bacteria- and say, okay, this is the safe range. This is what I'm happy to agree to. 
this is what my bacteria should should be. If it moves outside of that, I get sick and I have repercussions. So different symptoms like diarrhea, vomiting, etc., to get rid of the imbalance. Um, with people who have gut bacteria issues or the immune system in general, it takes a snapshot of your bacteria during the gastro. So it believes that me having gastro was the right, I guess, bandwidth or breakdown of that gut bacteria. And so that's why it never returned to normal. So right now I'm on antibiotics and apparently in a week I'll be doing another bacteria transplant, like just a a single one because with it you do like 10 or something like that. Mm. Um, And supposedly that'll fix the issue, but we'll see. I think for anyone who's got gut issues or food intolerances, they should definitely go go and check it out. Check out what? <laughs> the gut the gut man, Mr. Dr. The gut Paul. Man. <laughs> Dr. Paul Frooms. Well, it's a really tricky topic because a lot of people still don't understand it, even doctors. Yeah. But um Yeah, my, my GP had no fucking idea what we were talking about. When when, when we were you know, be a nightmare it. for a GP. Just walking <laughs> up being like, so this is what I've done. That like, ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I go Especially in there. It's kind of experimental, though. Like this. So FMT stands for fetal fecal matter transplant. Fecal matter transplant. So they fecal take someone's poop. Poop. They treat it. Um. So they spin it out so that they can split out. Do so they centrifuge it? Mm. <laughs> like a salad spinner? No. <laughs> no, more like a something that sort of imagine it in a bag and it just knocks it around so it's reduced down to water. Um, like and it whisks it. Yeah, sort of whisks it. But yeah, you're basically putting someone else's poop in your body. So And it does it it isn't pseudoscience a, for anyone who's like what the works. hell is that? Yeah. It is actually a medical procedure, but it's it's so new that only some doctors do it in Australia. Yeah. They treat in America, they treat people um for I can see our neighbor. <laughs> ulcerate ulcerative <It's> <laughs> ulcerative colitis. So colitis, which is like colitis. an infl- inflammatory colitis yeah. uh, disease. Um, people who have an infection of a bacteria called C. diff and what else? I think that's mainly it. That's what it's proven to solve generally for IBS or IBD. Or SIBO. Or SIBO. They're not, they're not entirely um, – it's not entirely proven but it's been known to help and that's why I went to go go see Dr. Paul Frooms because just the issues I was having was intense. So. Yeah, this, this is probably a whole other language for both MJ and a lot of our audience. But um, if anyone who has heard of it is like, oh, I've heard these words before and I wanted to understand more, then we can give you some links mm-hmm. in the show notes. Um, you may or may not be interested because it only is interesting if you've had gut issues yourself. Like well, there's a bias. Maybe, maybe you can come up with top five questions to ask your GP. <laughs> <laughs> top, five, um, top five? I would, the first thing... I would say to them is, what do you know about fecal matter transplants? The second thing I'd know, I'd ask them is, who would do this in my state? Mm -hmm. So, there's only two people I'm aware of, one Mm -hmm. in Sydney and one in Melbourne. So, if you're based in Victoria, Dr. Paul Frooms is your guy. Um, And then I would just ask them, how can I learn more about it? And the reality is that, unfortunately, people, um, GPs, most likely your local GP or your local doctor or primary care physician in the US um, because, you know, like 30% of our audience is in the US, um, they probably won't know. So you need to go do your own research on the internet. Don't get into the pseudoscience side of it. There's a really good website um, that is 
is very informative. It's called The Power of Poop. Um, it's run by a bunch of doctors, I think, out of the US. So it's very informative. It's got all the literature on the studies done with it, who you could reach out to, physicians who know. Um, I think that that's more American based. But if you're in um, if you're in Australia, just send me an email. It's Jordan at Neural.com. I can tell you who would be the relevant person to chat to. But I'm trying to get my sister onto it because she's got the same food intolerance issues just by chance. But she she got a you know, a little bit earlier. She know you're talking about this? Yeah. Okay. She knows. Mm-hmm. Um, what and else? I guess what we need to bring up, I suppose, is you did Talking get... about poop, though. Oh, yeah. Have you gone <laughs> behind a bush? Have I gone behind a bush? Because yep. I did it last yeah. month for the first time in my life. Really? I did it in a hole in a bush. I think and, and it was very... It was, it was like a challenge first. <laughs> and after it you was go done... Squat? Ah, uh, yeah, because I can squat naturally. I'm not like Gordon Ramsay who can't yeah. like, cross Good. his legs. One thing's for sure is like um, that's the natural way to poop, right? Yeah, you, yeah. You, you and squish. it was just uh, one take and you're done. <laughs> one yeah. take. And, and I was like, oh, one what's push. next in life? Like what, what are the other challenges that I need to go through life? Like that was one challenge. It was just done. It was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, talking about poop. <laughs> well, I was lucky that I lucky that I got the chance to learn how to poop in a hole at school because we went on camp mm. and we were forced to do it. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, camping. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think a, it is, a lot of Australians uh, learn to do it at a certain age because most people at some point in their life have gone camping. Eight. Yeah. So, um. Anyway, we better wrap this up because we've got an interview in about what a way to wrap it up half an hour. <laughs> Who are you interviewing? Uh, Lauren Magna. We're talking about pole dancing performance. Ah, oh, look at you. Yeah. Okay. So, great. Uh, keep an eye out on that. But look, thanks guys for doing this, and uh, thanks for everyone who listens. First of all, we appreciate it. Fifty-two weeks. We really in do. Is um is something, and I'm glad that we ha- still have people that are listening to us. So thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. I want to bring us back to the point that you were making about exploiting consumer behavior in a consumer internet business. You said that this is a time for soul searching in social media businesses and and you were part of building the largest one. What soul searching are you doing right now on that? I feel tremendous guilt. Um, I think we all knew in the back of our minds, even though we feigned this whole line of like there probably aren't any really bad unintended consequences. I think in the back, deep, deep recesses of our minds, we, we kind of knew something bad could happen. But I think the way we defined it was not like this. It literally is a point now where I think we have created tools that are ripping apart the social fabric of how society works. That is truly where we are. And I would encourage all of you as the future leaders of the world to really internalize how important this is. If you feed the beast, that beast will destroy you. If you push back on it, we have a chance to control it and rein it in. And it is a point in time where people need to hard break from some of these tools and the things that you rely on. The short-term dopamine-driven feedback loops that we have created are destroying how society works. No civil discourse, no cooperation, misinformation, mistruth. And it's not an American problem. This is not about Russian ads. This is a global problem. 
So we are in a really bad state of affairs right now, in my opinion. It is, it is eroding the core foundations of how people behave by and between each other. Um, and I don't have a good solution. You know, my solution is I just don't use these tools anymore. I haven't for years. It's created huge tension with my friends, huge tensions in my social circles. Um, if you look at, like, you know, my Facebook feed, I probably haven't, I've posted maybe two times in seven years, three times, five times. It's like, just, it's less than 10. And it's weird. I guess I kind of just innately didn't want to get programmed. And so I just turned, tuned it out. But I didn't confront it. And now to see what's happening, it's really, it really, it really bums me out. Like, think about, like, there were these examples where um, there was a hoax in WhatsApp where um, in some, like, village in India, um, people were, like, afraid that their kids were going to get kidnapped, etc. And then there were these lynchings that happened as a result, where people were, like, vigilante running around. They think they found the person, and they, I mean... I mean, seriously? Like, that's what we're dealing with. You know, imagine, like, when you take that to the extreme, where, you know, bad actors can now manipulate large swaths of people to do anything you want. It's just a, it's a really, really bad state of affairs. And we compound the problem, right? We curate our lives around this perceived sense of perfection, because we get rewarded in these short-term signals, hearts, likes, thumbs up, and we conflate that with value and we conflate it with truth. And instead, what it really is, is fake, brittle popularity that's short-term and that leaves you even more, and admit it, vacant and empty before you did it. Because then it forces you into this vicious cycle where you're like, what's the next thing I need to do now? Because I need it back. Think about that compounded by two billion people. And then think about how people react then to the perceptions of others. It's just a, it's a really bad. It's really, really bad. It sounds like you're taking deep personal responsibility also in, in being a part of it. I kind of, look, I did, a, I, did what I, I did a great job there. And I think that business overwhelmingly does positive good in the world. Where I have decided to spend my time is to take the capital that they rewarded me with and now focus on the structural changes that I can control. I can't control that. I can control my decisions, which is I don't use this shit. Um, I can control my kids' decisions, which is they're not allowed to use this shit. <laughs> um, and then I can go focus on diabetes and education and climate change. And that's what I can do. But everybody else has to soul-search a little bit more about what you're willing to do, because your behaviors, you don't realize it, but you are being programmed it was unintentional, but now you got to decide how much you're willing to give up, how much of your intellectual independence. And don't think, oh, yeah, not me. I'm a fucking genius. I'm at Stanford. You're probably the most likely to fucking fall for it because <laughs> you were fucking checkboxing your whole goddamn life. No offense, guys. None taken. Thanks for making it this far. Before you run off, I've got a quick request for you. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure you subscribe. The reason being is it will give you priority access and help your fellow-minded listeners find the Uncommon Podcast. The second thing and probably the most important thing I'd like you to do is share the episode with someone who will enjoy it. You can easily share through the podcast app to social media or through messaging apps. This will go a long way 
in helping us build our audience, which will help both you and I, I guess, get more esteemed guests on the show. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, or Instagram. It's just at Neural. Each week we have promos on the episodes. But until next time, thanks for listening.